Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Hello, Sharon. How are you? I'm wonderful now. You're wobbling. I'm, I'm wobbling a little bit, but I'm doing okay. <laughs> doing okay. Nothing uh, a little prednisone can't take care oh, of for a few days. Oh, bless your heart. So, so yeah. how long are we post-hurting our back? Well, it was Thursday, a week ago. When you called me and you couldn't get out of the car? Yeah. Because you had hurt your back? No, I had sat in the car. I just sat down, you know. And then the old back said... I'm not getting back up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then I waited until Sunday to call the doctor and Uh, start on the prednisone. And then as I told you, I'm not taking the prednisone. Got to get off of that stuff. Stuff makes you crazy. I mean, well, literally, I mean, the night before I slept for about three hours and then one night I slept for 15 minutes. Because I was taking the prednisone at mm-hmm. night. Well, you're still shaking just a little bit. Well, yeah, That's I mean, I, well, of I it. <laughs> took it yesterday. So, um, but phew, man, that stuff messes you up. But sure did help the back. So, yeah. well, you're walking. I can move and I can walk. So, not shuffle. Sitting is not great. Sitting for you. is hard. Yeah, that's the hardest part. So, but anyway, let's digress on yes. that. Gotta, yes, we're. Here in Wilmington at the North Carolina Association of Nurse Anesthetists meeting. And it's beautiful outside. Beautiful outside. We wish we could go out there and podcast. Maybe we should do that one day. Oh, Maybe we should do an outdoor podcast. I like that. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or the rooftop. Some, yeah. At the bar. The bar. <laughs> <laughs> they have a great rooftop bar that would be. Here. That might be a great podcast, actually. Oh, we my could, goodness. You never know what's going to come out with that one. Uh, so. The last time we had <laughs> wine in the room with a podcast, uh, mm. 
<laughs> yeah. You dreamed that you had a third nipple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After that podcast. <laughs> well, that's because you set me up with a bunch of women. So you're talking I about knew crazy stuff. You could stuff. take all the estrogen. <laughs> you're the man. You're the man, Jeremy. Uh, well, we've got another wonderful, wonderful person in the room with us today, Mr. Randy Cornelius. Welcome, Randy. Uh, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Sharon. Yeah, Randy flew in to be with us today and almost missed his flight and, uh, you know. You Somehow gotta, negotiated your way. You got to love tight connections uh, in the airports. But what amazes me is that you found out that your seatmate had a nerve stimulator. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, know, really? right? Huh. Yeah, when I went to board, I was late getting boarded, and they said, "Oh, excuse, I went to I had to I had a window seat, so I had to slide by two people, and they're like, okay, and then I was just patiently waiting, and then the one lady goes, well, it takes her a little bit because she has a nurse a back stimulator. Oh, and I was like, okay, and <laughs> you know, you could see she was struggling a little bit, so yeah, I yeah. took let her take my time, and then as we were landing with about eighteen minutes to make a connection. I'm just thinking it's probably going to take her a little bit longer to get off the plane, but uh. we're going to be okay. She can, we'll just let her take her time. And all of a sudden they go, hey, do you want to slide by first? Because it might take her a little bit. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> Thank you. That was nice. <laughs> uh, well, Randy, you know, we uh, we actually did this mm-hmm. one time before. So we're actually doing a retape on this one because we had some technical difficulties. So we appreciate you being with us again to do this. Gladly. Last time in Chicago and, and this time in Wilmington. Yes. So you're, you're a worldly man, too, aren't I'm you? I'm getting out there. In demand. <laughs> I think I like North Carolina a little bit better than Chicago. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, well. Especially on a day like today. 84 yeah. degrees, humidity's low, beautiful. Yeah, when I came in, I talk, was talking to the Uber driver, and he's like, what's the weather like in Iowa? And I'm like, well, we're going to get 26 degrees tonight. Oh, wow. We are gonna have a, we're going to have a hard freeze. Wow. So when does snow start there? We will probably get some snow sometime this month, but it probably won't start accumulating till maybe December. Okay. It's hit or miss if we have a white Christmas. But usually January and February are our worst months. Yeah. Wow. The weather. Yeah. And where the girls, Minneapolis, they'll start getting snow at the end of October. And it will accumulate. Yeah. Wow. It will accumulate mm. there. I and love we North go Carolina. up. Yeah. We go up there for Christmas <laughs> just because it's usually white. And it seems like Christmas if it's white. Yes. Hmm. So we, as long as we can get Helen in an airplane seat. <laughs> We're going up there for Christmas. So, anyway. Well, the name of our topic today is Challenge Disaster, O-Rings, Normalization of Deviance, and Production Pressure. And Mm. that is a mouthful, Randy. But we're going to explain all that. But for folks that don't know you, which probably isn't a whole lot of people out here, but tell them a little bit more about you. Um, Well, my name's Randy Cornelius. I grew up in a small rural town in Iowa. You know, our our claim to fame was we are the, the town is the oldest town in that county. But we also had a collegiate wrestling champion, heavyweight champion. So that was, that was their claim was that we've, we've got one wrestler that came through. Um, was it I, Rick Flair? <laughs> no, no. Oh, okay. That's North which, Carolina, isn't it? Well, which the funny thing is, is uh, Jesse the Body Ventura's grandmother yeah. is from oh, really? oh. a nearby town. Oh, and wow. I actually worked with his cousin. Oh, that's when, funny. when they tell you that, and they say, well, that's his cousin. And you look at him, you're like... You do. You can see the, see resemblance, the resemblance of Jesse the Body, the body Ventura. So, um, small town in Iowa. Uh, wasn't for sure what I wanted to do when I graduated high school, so I actually joined the military and did active army for about seven and a half years. It was, they were army went through a drawdown, so they're like, "All right, you're going to have to get out." So I was like, "All right." I transitioned, went back to Iowa, continued to stay in the military, became a combat medic. At the time when I was in the active army, I was a helicopter mechanic. 
became a medic because one guy told me, doesn't it make sense to go through nursing school as a medic versus working on helicopters? And I was like, that's a smart man. Wow. Um, Went through nursing school. Finished and I had gotten introduced at the time. I didn't even know nurses did anesthesia. Right. You know, I guess I was the fortunate one that I never had to have surgeries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for dental extractions, thanks to the army, who mm-hmm. says your wisdom teeth have to come out as soon as possible, and they do that under local. Hmm. Yeah. Lovely. <clears throat> Makes a man mm. out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure did. Uh, at least you had local. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. Could have been worse. <laughs> could have been worse, right? So. Um, did worked in the ICUs like, to meet my requirements, and then went to the University of Iowa's nurse anesthesia program, and been doing it since 2009. Worked in uh, at the University of Iowa for a couple years in their I- in their ORs. Did a deployment to Afghanistan, and while I was over there, my wife mentioned that hey, this all CRNA group was looking for a person, and I was like, well, that was the group that I've always wanted to work for, and hmm. that was Iowa Anesthesia with Mark Oden. Oh, I love and Mark. Mark will always say that I gave him the most interesting job interview because we had to do it over the phone, and I told Mark, I said, and my, I forgot that there's a, de- there's a delay when you talk on the phones over the overseas, and I was like, Mark, if all of a sudden you hear some noise go on in the background, I go, there's something going on, and I said, I will have to hang up. It's not that I don't like the interview. And he said, okay. So he said, yeah, that was one of the most interesting interviews he's ever had to do is over in <laughs> Afghanistan. So uh, uh, That's saying wow. something because Mark is an interesting human oh, yes. being yes, he is. Uh, in and of itself. I adore that man. Yes. He was he, great. Uh, he served on my board when I was president. Yes. That's about right when I joined the group, right, was when he came onto the board. So mm-hmm. um, amazing mentor towards me mm-hmm. for me so oh yeah. well y'all got some great people up there anyway mindy miller mindy I mean, Min- who chaired my grc mindy community. mentored me as well oh jesus you come from a line of uh, greatness one of my co-workers that you guys interviewed was uh, sarah tweedy yeah. oh yes. amazing yeah. amazing crna yeah. so absolutely yeah yeah. We, well, Randy, first, thank you for your service. Uh, thank you. Absolutely. 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 I mean, we couldn't do this this country without people like you. So yeah. thank you for that. So tell us why this, this topic is important and kind of what, what where we're going with this one. Um, it just over time, I started realizing that, I, well, actually, I was in my military education things that we were talking about production pressure, normalization of deviance. And they talked about the space shuttle Challenger disaster. Mm-hmm. And that is actually where... The socialist, or not socialist, a sociologist term came up with the term normalization of deviance, is where you know what the standards are, but you don't follow it. So you break the rule mm-hmm. because, no, but something, since nothing happens, that you just, uh, you just all of a sudden became, you made the new norm. You made a new norm. And, and I asked a student about this one time. I was, like, I was like, do you understand this concept? And she's like, no. And I go, okay, what do you, what's the speed limit? And she's like, 55. And I go, so what's the average people, what's how fast do most people do? And she goes, well, I drive 55. And I'm like, you're a rarity. Yes. <laughs> I said, but most people drive. 64, right? Seven, yes. nine about over. seven over. <laughs> and I go, but that's what was the argument is when the people say, well, why don't we just up the speed limit right. to this? And because the police force says, because you're going to automatically sure. shift because you know it's this. You know, when someone goes, well, I got a ticket for doing 56 and a 55. It's like, well, the law is this and i go that is a normalization of deviance is we expect Mm, that that's a good point you know how when you're driving and you're doing your seven over but you come up to somebody doing 55 you just kind of go i'm a 55er you you get frustrated with them and then you you got to remind yourself (laughs) they they are they are following the rules we have just become normalized that 
you know, you go by a police officer doing seven over, they don't bat an eye to you. So you're like, that's my new norm. This this reminds me of our whole country, though, this this Mm -hmm. normalization of deviance. I mean, it's everywhere. Well, we have it with the MPO status. I mean, we Mm -hmm. all know that you can drink clear liquids up to two hours before. Mm. But if we tell patients they can do that, they'll drink them up to one hour before. Yeah. I mean, so we still do, you know, nothing to eat or drink after midnight. Yes. So that's that's how we came up with it. And I kept thinking about all the things of what's going on in healthcare because I'm like, I know it happens. And I actually remember when I was in training, um, one time we were, we were going to, we were done with the case and someone goes, do you mind if I take the monitors off? And I was like, uh-huh. actually hold off. I said, um, we're just coming up through emergence. I said, let's just leave the monitors on. Cause I just happened to read an article that talked about that, that people commonly remove all the monitor, the blood pressure cuff, the EKGs, they'll just leave the pulse ox on. And the reason being is they think, oh, it helps the room turnover. Mm. But they're like, that's not what needs to happen because during emergence is one of the biggest mm. physiological changes that we're going through. And I was like, yeah. And I said, that's, that's exactly what happened. It's We get so used to it. And I go, and they called it, that's how the Challenger disaster, they talked about it in that article. And the um, the attending I was working with that day had an aviation background too. And he looked at me and he goes, you read that article? And I said, it intrigued me once I saw the na- Challenger disaster. Mm-hmm. And so from there on out, me and him got along great, but you know, that was seven, 10 years ago. And then finally, I was just, one day I was talking with Terry Wicks at one of the meetings. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I've got this idea about doing a topic on normalization of deviance in healthcare, along with production pressure. And he goes, yes, that is an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. He goes, we have really feeling the pressure of doing things as fast as we can so we can meet certain demands. And he, I have to give him credit for the title, too, because I don't have that creative mind. So anytime <laughs> it I is a great title. It really and is. I usually have to, like, hey, Terry, this is my idea of a, yeah. a topic. What are your thoughts? And then he'll come back with, yeah. this We've is what We've got somebody, you know, uh, yeah. Deb Flaherty named our podcast Beyond mm-hmm. the Mask. We didn't come up with that. No, it was no. somebody else, a it, creative friend it, of it's ours. It's the artistic just, people yes, that can do it. So. Exactly. Yes, yeah, so exactly. I'll, I'll give credit to Terry Wicks here. You know, great Iowan who's also yes, in North Carolina. Yeah. Yes, he is. Wrestler. Yes, he yes, is. Wrestler and he is uh, he plays the guitar and yeah. he sings. I mean, Terry's got a lot of things. Uh, he's got that. a lot Former, going on. One former of my, one of my president. Yeah, yep, one of my absolutely. mentors for sure. But it was interesting since we had already taped this before and you had made that same connection uh, talking about the end of the case one of the hospitals I work in they just uh, like rush in when you're waking the patient up and they're unhooking you I hadn't even extubated them and the whole nine yards and it's always I'm trying to get them don't touch them so they don't buck and cough Mm -hmm. and finally after we had this podcast the last time I said you know, do y'all rush the cockpit of an airplane whenever it's landing? No. Well, I'm landing this plane. We want to, though. Yeah, we want to. You <laughs> did today. Especially when you're running late for <laughs> you, d- you did today, for sure. <laughs> Are there examples of normalization of deviance in healthcare that oh, you specifically oh, yes. want to talk about? Uh, the, the classic, you know, we talked about the monitors, but some of the other ones is in it's happening now. And I think you guys even did the podcast on noise levels oh, yeah. in the operating mm. room. and. You know, before it was, as soon as that patient came in the room, the music that was playing was shut off. Mm-hmm. And now it's they don't. Yeah, it's still blaring and you got to go, hey, can you guys bring the volume down? Or you've been listening to the music during the entire case and we're starting the wake up. And I've had to say, hey, can we please bring the n- noise volume down mm-hmm. so we can pay attention in it? And I think even in your guys' one podcast, they said 
an incident was going on, but nobody could hear mm -hmm. the anesthesia provider saying, right. I need help, help. because oh, this wow. was going on. Um, our group was actually doing it, was uh, doing peripheral nerve blocks not being fully monitored. So we'd go in and just put a pulse ox on, maybe measure one blood pressure, give a little sedation and do the nerve blocks. And as I was creating this presentation, I was like, I think we're actually supposed to have, we should have them on an EKG monitor. Mm -hmm. And I brought it to the group and they all, like the group looked at me and I was like, you know, all it takes is, I said, we're so used to doing it because we're, we wanted to get the, this sure. done quickly. Well, what if somebody vagals? I mean. Vagaled or I said, um, what if we finally have a local systemic toxicity? Holy cow. Mm. And I said, we don't catch that arrhythmia change quick. And I said, we don't have anything to stand on. And they were like, okay. They're like, you're right. You know, they, I didn't get a lot of pushback on it, but we agreed. But we then had to teach our pre-op nurses, hey, right. we need to have these hooked up on right. monitors. And they just kind of be like, well, why? So uh, the other one I think is a good one is, you know, we know we're supposed to wash our hands when we go into a patient's room mm -hmm. coming out. A lot of times we do it. Another good one is they talked about is not going in following the isolation oh, yeah. requirements. You got to gown up everything. You know, it's always... It's just going to be a second. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to touch that part. I'm just going to go in and just look at them and wave and say, introduce myself. So I don't really, do I really need to put a plastic gown on? So those were some examples of what's come up in normalization of deviance through healthcare. Now, luckily for me, when I did this presentation, I was look, I tried to get to the ASA's closed claims because I'm like, it has, there has to be research out there that shows this. Mm -hmm. And Bet I, they I, opened that door wide for you. No, no, they didn't. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I didn't want to pay the mount for it. So then uh, I was like, all right. So I reached out to the ANA and sure. said, do you have access to the ASA closed claims? And I can't remember who responded. And they're like, well, actually, here's a couple studies. Check these articles out. And then once I got the articles, I was like, oh, it was actually, Jeremy, you're going to appreciate this, funded by the ANA Foundation. Oh. So that's the importance of I'll my plug. This is why it's go. important to donate, not just to your PAC, but to the ANA Foundation. Absolutely. To get this research. And they came up with doing several studies that looked at cosmetics. Um, one was cardiac events, then non-cardiac cases, um, death that happened, but it was a secondary. And normalization of deviance was always a common theme that just hmm. popped up in different ones. A lot of it was um, not using the correct monitors not using your entitled CO2 when you're doing an intubation, uh, doing the, everybody gets the same amount of medication for the same case. You don't individualize. And I, when I was looking this over again, I was like, yep, I know an individual that for every cataract, they get two of Versed yeah. and two of fentanyl. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. I uh -huh. tried that once and my patient was apneic and the doctor <laughs> looked at me and he goes, um, <gasps> This is exactly how I want you to do the anesthetic. <laughs> and, and I, you know, yeah. he, he lectured me and he goes, I've done, I've done cataracts at, at least a thousand cases. And he goes, as soon as they come in and he told me exactly what he wanted and how then we had, you know, it was just, we, we had to work in close communications. And I was like, I don't know how that other individual does two and two for every single person, mm -hmm. wow. but he just does it. And I'm like, I did it that one time. And I was like, and I, my sats are starting to drop. I'm having to, like, shake the guy. Well, and we hadn't even started yet. And, and the surgeon was not happy with me on that one. So. Oh, my goodness. Um. 
As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. Well, you know, you mentioned the, the Space Shuttle Challenger. Talk a little bit more about that, because, I mean, that was that was obviously a big normalization of deviance. Yes. Um, actually, I think I just realized it was about, we're pushing 36 years. 36 years. Remember, yeah. last year was 35 years of that, yeah. that it happened. And the fact that, you know, there was a teacher of the first time a civilian was going to be on the, spa- in the space flight. Krista, Krista McAuliffe. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the Space Shuttle Challenger actually used booster rockets to help get it up into orbit. That's what they said had failed on that launch was the um, the O-rings, these rubber, I call them gaskets, but mm-hmm. from trying to think for non-mechanical people yeah. as well, is yeah. it, it seals two metal pieces together so that way no, the hot gases couldn't escape by. Well, that had failed on launch. and But when they went in and did the investigation, they started realizing, they looked back at it and the rocket scientists had said, and investigations afterwards that they're like, we noticed that we were having problems. This wasn't a one-time occurrence. It actually had happened on seven out of nine previous launches where they were noticing damage on these O-rings, but they couldn't really figure it out. And someone was like, well, what's the problem? I was like, well, if you'd know NASA, had that happened during the 60s, during the Gemini program, right. Mercury, Apollo, one little, if something wasn't right, they would have shut it down, they would have shut it down yeah. and said, yeah. done. Because their funding went away, too. Because of other reasons, yeah. they said, no, we've got to keep doing this. Mm. We've got to keep launching them. Mm-hmm. Production and they, pressure. The only thing they could figure out was it was temperature-related to one that had the most damage. And they said it was, at that time, it was 53 degrees at mm. that launch. And the day of the disaster, the temperature at launch was 36 degrees. So That's not a, a uh, common temperature in no, Florida, it was Cape n- Canaveral. It was not. And... They actually said they they had a meeting with the rocket engineers, NASA, all the powers be, and NASA said, well, what is your recommendation? They're like, you have to wait till, you know, based on what we know, you have to wait till it's 53 degrees at least. In a documentary, the guy said, he goes, that was the first time we were ever asked to prove that those O-rings will fail versus proving it's safe. You know, nobody has ever said that to somebody like, you know, prove to us it's going to fail versus Proof to if it's safe. So, wow, hmm. wow. You know, just shut this space shuttle program for thirty-two months, and you know, I, we could say, well, NASA should might have learned. Well, they didn't because they had another space shuttle issue, mm-hmm. and I want to say it was Columbia. Right. Yeah. Well, Piece Columbia. of the foam yeah. came off yeah. during launch, and they said, well, it's normal for that to happen. But somebody goes, well, this seemed to be a little bit bigger piece. Can we? Take a sat- can we move a satellite nearby so we can take a look at the damage so we can prepare? And they're like, no, it, this is a normal occurrence. And again, a disaster. Hmm. So, wow. Do you remember where you were when the Challenger exploded? 
I was in, I was in high school, and we watched it on the news because it was just what everybody was and the kids doing. Right. Yeah. You watch that That's launch what because I was, I was at school. You were in high school too. I was in, I was in high school. Yeah. I had that, just I had I had just had Brett. Yeah. And which, by the way, my son went the one that I was holding. As I'm watching, I was home on maternity leave after having Brett. He worked for NASA on the shuttle program. That's right. I remember and you he saying was that there the when the last shuttle landed. Wow. Um, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, well, we, we talked about production pressure, and I think you guys obviously realize production pressure a lot in what you do. I mean, turnover, 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 and, you know, the more we do, the more we get paid. Oh, did I say that? Oh. oh. Um, How did that come out I of don't your know. Mouth? I don't know. But, you know, l- let's talk a little bit about production pressure um, and as it has to do with nurse anesthesia and maybe just in general. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's the gorilla in the room. That's the cause of normalization of deviance. And unfortunately, when you have one, you have the other. Yep. It, you know, why do, I, why do I cut a corner? Well, I feel pressured. And there's numerous uh, definitions, but basically it's an emphasis of production over safety in mm. pursuit of usually... Well, money? A little bit of money? The, yeah, answer, the answer is money, but what was the question? That's yeah, it. exactly. That's yeah. it. That's, That's Jeremy's it. motto. <laughs> well, yes. I'm telling you, if you if you equate all the things that go wrong, you can always put it back to the dollar. I'm telling yes. you, always. <laughs> yes, it's, it's Sharon. thinks it's funny when I use my hand. So. <laughs> Sarah notices it too. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, think about uh, endoscopy. I mean, there's a huge production pressure in endoscopy. Well, it's, I don't uh, know about no. Yeah. No, I was just when you say that because that is actually one of the examples of production pressure was the hepatitis C outbreak in Las oh, Vegas. Oh gosh, that was during uh, Wanda Wilson's presidential so year, two thousand eight ish, I think. Because I remember I was a student or resident, whatever term we're going to call ourselves. Yes. Um, when that came out, and when that wow. news broke that anesthesia providers were reusing vials, reusing needles. Mm-hmm. which we weren't supposed to. So they mm-hmm. were cutting corners to get why? Well, so they can do more cases. I'm going to bring something up here just because I read it. And I sent it to you because mm-hmm. I get all these CRNA things. And, you know, there was just a study out, I think it was out of Michigan, mm-hmm. um, talking about doing um, cataracts. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they were doing the study saying that, you know, there is more anesthesia providers doing cataracts than... 90%? 90%. Of all um, cataracts have an anesthesia Have an anesthesia, anesthesia provider, the anesthesiologist, or CRNA. And they were saying that there is not a need for them to be there in the room. And one of the things they cited, and this reminds me of this normalization, normalization of deviance, is that one of the reasons they feel like that is because of the limited supply of anesthesia providers. And it said that in that article. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what it's making me. And I've never done a cataract. I don't know if you're needed there or not, but it seems like you are. Are we normalizing this to say, oh, we don't need that anesthesia provider in the room because there's not enough? Or is it because there's money or you know, and I'm just throwing that out there. I know this wasn't a hot topic, I, but you I know. do cataracts with one guy and we don't give any medicine. He does it under straight local, and wow! It well, that's what a Mac is. <laughs> Mac, Mac, <laughs> that's what Mac is. Mac without sedation. We're literally right. just sitting there, and he's asked. He's like, "Why am I paying for you to be in this room?" And I'm like, "The hospitals made the rule that said hmm. anesthesia will be on standby in case you need to have medicine given mm-hmm. for your patient." And you know, it's 
it's rare, but every once in a while you might just meet one of his patients that you're like, I don't think they're going to sit still for you. So, yeah. Hmm. Other than that, I'm like, I, if you're doing it under straight local, somebody else could sit there and chart, but it's, I'm like, oh, I'm getting, somebody's getting reimbursed yeah. for us to sit yeah. there. But. Well, that might change. So let's talk about ways to prevent normalization of deviance. Well, one reason we have to remember that it's always going to happen. Yeah. I well, mean, it's, I mean, it's human nature, uh, you know, to push push the envelope all the time. Uh, I mean, it's just like, you know, I've been intentionally losing some weight so I could get into, I've got Linda Williams' suit on today that she gave me. She was president of AANA in 98 to 99, but to keep from looking like a stuffed sausage in it, I had to lose some weight, but. I will get on the scales every day and I kind of push what I can eat. And then when the scales go up, then I know that I've got to, I've got to reel it back in just a little bit. But I <laughs> kind of push it just a little bit. But yeah, that's it's human nature. It is. And but that's what you have to recognize. It's going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, I've even told, you know, going back to the monitoring patients on blocks. Again, it's one of those I... It only takes me how long to put those three stickers on. Right. Right. But you start, hey, well, I'm running late. Three stickers are 30 seconds. That's right. <laughs> and so you just, you got to remind yourself, I got to take a step back. And even doing the presentation, I realized I was putting production pressure on the pre-op nurses because I was feeling pressure to get the block done. Hmm. So I'd be like, hey, guys, you need to get that IV in as soon as you can because I can't do the block without the IV. Oh, and they're, yeah. you know, and they're tr- they still got to do their pre-op. And I was like, well... Just because I'm feeling pressure from a surgeon mm-hmm. doesn't mean I have to let that go down to the pre-op nurses. Randy, so you I had to, are just such a self-aware man. So I'm in a room with two of them. I didn't even think that existed. It, 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 it took creating a presentation to make me realize. That you were part of the problem. I, 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 should, not let, I should not create production pressure on somebody else who will then create. Actually, that is very self-aware. You know, and then who's going to then do what? Do need normalization of deviance. They might not do their full checklist yeah so you know there's there's reasons why we have things in place so um, well coming from uh you were a helicopter mechanic too so yeah. you, you're very familiar with those checklists i'm sure yes yeah. you, they always told us if you're working on that aircraft that book better be open into the page that you're yep. doing something on you'd be like do i really yep. need check it off check so it you, off you just always check sometimes you had the book there and you taking things apart right. a lot easier than yeah. having to put it together but yeah you still had to have a book there yeah so hmm. But yeah, um, that one, um, it says, says to resist the urge to be unrealis- unreasonably optimistic. And what they're talking about is don't sit, just because you know that we've gone down the path so much for normalization of deviance, don't go, uh-huh. is it going to be too much of the effort to fix it? Hmm. And they said it might just be a hard process because you're like, well, nothing's happened. The consequences, da-da. But then they made the example is most people have never had a house fire, but everybody still keeps homeowner's insurance. Yeah, that's true. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855 855- Three zero four thirty seven forty eight. That's eight five five three zero four thirty seven forty eight. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. You know, we've all had 
had times when we're working in endoscopy clinics and you you kind of raise a red flag. Oh, I'm not too sure if we need to do this patient here. And the doctor will say, oh, but we've done patients like this and it's going to be okay. And I'll say, you know, I am standing in between you and the 1% of when yeah. it could go bad. Yeah. So, uh, but it's just such a huge normalization of deviance. Yep. Yes, we do pa- yes. patients with COPD every single day, but there's just something that don't feel right today you know that, about this that, one. That freestanding clinic that's supposed to say we only do ASA 2s and 1s. <laughs> yeah, right. right. They, they get that ASA 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing happened. Well, you know, remember that one day we did that one person mm-hmm. and our, you know, BMI cut off of this. Well, then it turns into, you I know, cut up with this, this, yep. this. And, you know, I think we, we're having discussions in some of our critical access hospitals is what's the OB BMI cutoff? Oh, geez. And, you know. Can you do that? Yeah, actually, we can <laughs> for certain levels. On, yeah, you should. We yeah. said, well, I think we had to put a hard, it's once you had, a, if you had a BMI of 50, we, you are not going to, you're not going to be able to deliver at this facility. Wow. And somebody goes, well, and I think we had a little bit of pushback against some providers. And like, well, what's the issue? You know, what what's going to be done here, for, different here over here? And we're like, well, um, you're just assuming that this is going to be an okay birth. But what if it's not? Right. And now you have a BMI of over 50. Do you have the capability to do to that body mass hmm. versus, you know, we don't have an ICU. We don't have the NICUs. They need to deliver at that hospital that has the resources in case something happens. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, and, you know, that made me think of uh, at one of the facilities we do uh, VBACs. Mm-hmm. And one day they had a patient in who was, she was, a, we had a VBAC in, it was on the weekend. And, well, we just had to do an EGD quick. So they did an EGD quick and another person caught it. And he's like, there's supposed to be no surgeries that go on when this patient's qualified under VBAC, meaning admitted. And they were like, well, the other providers did it for us all the time. Uh. And our group had to have a discussion. We're like, you know, just because nothing's happened yet doesn't mean it can't. And when the word was, you can't write a check big enough for that bad outcome to happen. Mm-hmm. Because the policy says when a mom who's V-backing is in labor, if you're going to do another surgery, you have to bring in a whole other surgical crew in. You cannot rely on the call team. And they were like, oh, Okay, we will adjust accordingly because hmm. they'd gotten right. nothing had happened yet. So those are the key words. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Um, other ways is it, it's a difficult conversation to have that yeah. normalization of deviance. You're just going to have to have it. Well, isn't that basically what happened to that nurse in Tennessee who was criminally charged? It was a normalization of deviance. They had problems with their PIXIS system or whatever, and they knew that they did, that they constantly had to override it. It had become normalized, mm-hmm. and then she overrode the system and with uh, took out uh, Vecuronium. Vecuronium versus Versed. Yeah. Um, and actually, one of the articles they said was that, interesting, they said nurses a lot of times will find a workaround for computer computer glitches. And I know you said it will yeah. either, if there's a wall, we'll go out, around, around it, it, over to this. All right. We, yeah. we will find the workaround versus reporting it. And I'm mm-hmm. assuming maybe they did report it that says, hey, this needs to be fixed, and it wasn't. But when you need something in a hurry... You need it. You need it, so you figure out a way. So That's it. And whenever you have er- errors, we've talked about this, the Swiss cheese model, mm-hmm. it's never just one thing goes no. wrong. No, it's, it's never uh, one thing. It's it's multiple lapses. Um, 
in my presentation, when we talk about it, major accidents require four things. It takes multiple people. It's mm-hmm. not just one person. Like, right. you know, we talk about like, how could one person leave a sponge in, in a right. surgery? Well, it's not just one person who left it. It was multiple people not paying attention to the safety guards. Um, you have to do multiple innocuous events, accidents, just let this slide. Um, you got to breach the organization's safe mechanisms and then harm has to happen. And the Swiss cheese model you're talking about was actually created by a guy named James Reeson, who is the uh, father of modern safety. And he, he basically said, he goes, you have these defenses, um, organizational influences and unsafe supervision, which is also our controls, preconditions for unsafe acts, which is our work processes and unsafe acts themselves, people. So those safeguards usually line up and prevent things. But when you look at Swiss cheese, there's always holes there. But sometimes those holes, if you slide the cheeses, up, the slices up just right, mm. the up. holes line up, oh and my. that's how it happens. You know, it's hmm. once it usually there's going to be a safeguard that stops it, but sometimes right. all four will fail, and that's when we have our problems. And then the news makes it, or we make the news. Yes, it's just your time, and not yeah. in a good way. <laughs> no. Um, well, that's, you know, uh, what's her name? Rivers. Yes. Joanne Rivers. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it was a Swiss cheese model. <laughs> All the holes lined up. Yeah, I'm trying to remember that. Cause actually, my ride in, the guy I was talking to, he's, he found out, he was asked why I came in, and I was like, well, I'm coming in for the North Carolina Association Nurse Anesthetist. And he was like, are you a nurse? I'm like, well, I'm a nurse anesthetist. And he goes, you do anesthesia. You right. put people in there. And I go, yeah. And then he goes, well, people die from that, right? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, well, hopefully not, because there's a lot yeah. of paperwork that gets involved. And Actually, go, more people die in cars than they yeah. do under anesthesia. You have, what, like a one in 80 chance of dying yeah. in your car in your <laughs> lifetime? So, brother, you are more. Yeah, as I'm sitting in Uber, I didn't want to tell him that, because my, uh, my, my rating in my Uber might have <laughs> That's right. I know. They can rate you. <laughs> That's right. And I was like, well, yes, it happens. I said, but we have safety mechanisms. And then he goes, well, isn't that how Kanye West's mom passed away? And I was like. And I was trying to remember, she and he goes, a "Fat ambulance." But he said, "He goes, what?" Well, he goes, he, "He said, well, I thought it was because a nurse didn't prop her upright." And I was like, "No, I thought there was something else that went on." Yeah, you know, in the condition. Right. But he was down this way, and we had our discussion. I was like, "Well, I said, you know, for the longest time, when we people would ask what medicine we're going to use to put you under with, we'd say propofol, and you'd have to explain the whole Michael Jackson thing." Yeah. And yeah. He was like, "Oh, okay, I get it." And I was like, "You know, I said that's." why we use our monitors. Mm. I said, we mm. keep a close eye on everything that's going on. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, Propofol. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I had some Propofol not too long ago. Yes, you did with your colonoscopy. Good sleep. I didn't get any Propofol. I got Versed and Demerol oh, for no. my colonoscopy. Uh, I got done, and next thing I know, I woke up and then went for breakfast, and my wife we were, I was talking about something my wife goes we've had this conversation already today and I was like <laughs> oh no. really I was like no when I woke up I was everything was done and she was like no you were talking to me when you came back and <laughs> I don't remember that, isn't that the oddest feeling yeah, but luckily I didn't have a hangover effect I yeah. was yeah. bright eyed bushy tail but she still would not let me drive oh. hmm. oh she was God. like you were you've been under an anesthetic it's smart lady. Twenty-four hours. She's she's a circulator nurse, oh, so she knows the rules. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Smart woman. Yeah, my CRNA wife didn't let me drive either, so you know. But but I did. I was ready to eat. I will oh say. yes, yeah. you know I've always said I'm going to give up giving anesthesia. And I'm going to put a hot dog kiosk in every endoscopy <laughs> oh clinic gosh. parking lot. You'll pay twenty dollars for a hot you dog. Would. 
I would. I always joke that I'll give somebody a Snickers out in the parking lot if I don't want to do their case. That's well, right. Well, Randy, you hadn't heard this. So we, we go in and, you know, Sarah knows. Uh, we handpicked who I wanted the CRNA to be. And she knows the folks in there. So she's like, I, we're going to buy them lunch today. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Let's buy them lunch. You know, they'll be real nice to me. And so she's like, well, what do y'all want? And they wanted Chick-fil-A. So she ordered this big tray of mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A stuff. And it all comes in. And you know how Chick-fil-A smells. Uh-huh. Well, I'm laying in there and haven't eaten, you know, for a whole day before, and at 7 o'clock the night before. Actually, I, I was know. in, I we was were. with you uh-huh. in, in Raleigh when we did a podcast. And so I ate, I drove home, didn't eat anything the next day, hadn't ate that day, and my, I didn't go in there till 1130. And all I can smell is Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, <laughs> Sarah, this is wrong. This is horrible. And, and they're out there eating. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this just, ugh. And you were like, can you and just get to me? You were giving yeah. the production pressure to him. Just yes, get to me. Yes, I was like, come on. Come on, David. Put me to sleep. Get me out of here. I am going. Chick-fil-A. No, you know where I went? I went to Cracker Barrel. Did you? <laughs> I was like, and I want some biscuits. I want, I want, I want chicken and biscuits and <laughs> <laughs> all the stuff you're not supposed to have. Oh. But anyway, well, Randy, thank you for being here. As we wrap up, anything you want to conclude on? I think we just have to pay attention mm-hmm. that normalization of deviance is going to occur. Just don't make the shortcuts. Don't put the pressure on other people because we are going to get it. We, we feel it from the surgeons. Um, the yeah. hospitals do it to the surgeons. The surgeons just bring it on. We got to push our cases through. But we all just sometimes you got to take that step back, take a breath. I used to work with a CRNA a long time ago at Lexington Hospital, if that tells you. That's in the early 90s. And he's one of those people that you could tell just by the way he walked, that he was very measured with everything. And the uh, anesthesiologist there was trying to push him to move faster, and that guy would look around and say, speed kills. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he even talks like... Who was that? I can see him as, uh, I can't remember his name. He was a ballroom dancer and had blue eyes. (laughs) But he would just, I know, the things you remember. Uh, Speed kills. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Randy, thank you again. Appreciate you being here. Thank you guys for having me on and glad we could redo this. Absolutely. Well, Sharon, I think it's a wrap. I think so. We want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. Sharon, if they like our show and want to help us grow, what can they do to help us? Well, the best way to help us grow is to leave us a review, but make it positive. We all know there's enough negativity in this world. Absolutely. Five stars, please. Yes, we appreciate that. (laughs) Absolutely. Tell all your friends, share us on social media because we're in the top 50 medical podcasts in the country on the way to number. Number one. We're already the number one podcast in the CRNA community and we we want to continue to grow. So if CRNAs out there have great stories like Randy, who always furnishes us with great stories yes, and other folks, let us know. You know, we'd love to have them on the show. Absolutely. Till next time. It's a wrap. Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. 
That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com or call them at 504-394-6557. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.